The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. CinemaSins has a fan club. It's called the Sin Club, and members get all sorts of things like early episodes, bonus videos, merch discounts, and even monthly bonus podcasts. Membership starts at $3 a month, and you can sign up now at patreon.com slash CinemaSins. But I, I said from the get-go, I said, <laughs> I want this just to be the biggest vomiting scene in the history of cinema. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. All right, everybody, welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined by Jonathan Watkins. Hello, hello. And Barrett Scher. Hi. Today we have a very special guest. It's director Rennie Harlan who has a movie called The Misfits coming out in theaters June 11th, on demand and digital June 15th. Rennie, welcome. Thank you very much, Chris. Pleasure to be on your show. Oh, uh, thank you for coming on, man. I just was watching this. I was watching this, and there's a particular scene in in The Misfits where I'm like, man, Rennie Harlan really loves making movies. You love making movies, don't you? I totally do. I always say... You know, I, I actually, I just finished shooting another movie literally yesterday. Oh, wow. And, wow. Um, and, and everybody says to me like, oh, you must be so relieved. It's like, it's done now. Don't you feel great? And I'm like, yeah, in a way, but in a way it's like, I'm totally sad because what I love doing is making movies. I love being on the set to be, you know, to be completely honest. And this sounds so selfish and self-centered and egotistical and horrible but I, I kind of feel like a rock star when i'm on the movie set i'm like mm. it's my world mm-hmm. and it's like all these people there and i get to tell them what i think they should do and we work together to create this this illusion and it's like being a kid it's totally like i'm just a kid who never grew up and every time every movie it's the same feeling and when it ends I feel empty and I feel it's like a drug. Mm. I feel now I'm just sitting here in my living room and like nobody cares. And just yesterday there were like <laughs> 400 people around me whose every move depended on what I wanted to do. So I love Rennie, you can tell us what to do. It's fine. Just, just order <laughs> yeah. us around yeah. for the next 30 <laughs> yeah, minutes or so. Fine. Fine. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, I say this mainly just because there, there's a scene in here where there's a bunch of prisoners vomiting. And I was sitting there going, okay, you could make this scene where like you see a few people vomiting and you're like, all right, that's the prisons. Prisons got something going on. Yeah. But what you do here is no, you're, you're going to have an overhead shot of the stalls and you're going to have the camera move (laughs) over the stalls. You're going to have a crane come down from like level three to two to one and everything like that. I mean, you shoot that scene like it's the biggest joy of your life to show people vomiting on screen. I appreciate that. (laughs) You know, I, it's just, you know, I, I, uh, 
I love making comedies. I, I don't get to do that a lot because uh, I'm known more like a sort of a hardcore action or horror guy or something. But I love comedy. And to me, it's, it's certain scenes when you're doing comedy. It's like you you either you either go all the way or you don't go. And, and uh, so it's certainly in the script. It wasn't at all on the kind of epic scale that it ended up in the movie. But I, I said from the get-go, I said, <laughs> I want this just to be the biggest vomiting scene in the history of cinema. <laughs> and, and so we, we built that bathroom just so that I could do a shot where I'm like moving over the stalls and showing everybody throwing up. And, uh, and, and uh, actually it was, it was one of the days, one of the very few days when I was really upset with the, with the producers when we shot the exterior scene uh, outside the prison where, like you said, you go from tier three to two to one and everybody's vomiting because they had saved money and somebody had just in their wisdom decided that we had like enough vomit made for like six people for like three days. <laughs> so, because, you know, if you're doing an epic vomiting scene from different angles and you want like 100 people to be vomiting, you need like <laughs> at least 100 gallons of vomit. Oh my god. So, so I was just like, what are you talking about? You have only like eight, you know, like whatever it, it was. We had like maybe like three gallons of vomit. I'm like, this is ridiculous. It's like I want everybody to be vomiting and uh and I want to do several takes of it. So we literally had to like find a guy who started making vomit on the spot. And it's a it's a real science, you know, how you make good looking vomit. So it wasn't easy. <laughs> you never know what i mean i i it's it's i i was sitting there i i watched the long kiss goodnight recently and there's that scene at the end where there's like cars exploding all over the, the truck mm -hmm. explodes yeah. and the cars are flying all over the place and everything and i'm like that you put as much zeal into this vomiting scene as you did into that explosion scene in the long kiss goodnight yeah um and uh and so yeah it's uh, it's amazing i um I was wondering what drew you to this project in the first place. Uh, a friend of mine, the producer, Kia Cham, he had the script. He sent it to me. He said, I have this this fun project. You should read it. And I trusted his taste. I read it. And I I, I was hooked immediately. I, I felt like, okay, at least one person on this earth knows that I love comedy and I love telling fun, funny stories. And uh, and and just felt like it was a it was a different kind of a movie for me. I like like anybody. I love heist movies, and I like you know, mm -hmm. entertaining movies. Movies where you go to the theater and uh, you know. I, I feel like people watch movies for for various reasons, but but one main thing is that you want to feel something. You want to be uh, you want to laugh, or you want to be scared, or you want to be emotionally moved. Uh, and escape from your life for for a couple of hours, and in this case, it, it was a it was a heist movie and a caper, and a and a fun movie uh, where you get to laugh and just be entertained. and uh, And I I felt like this is the kind of movie I would love to watch, and, uh, and I would mm -hmm. love to make. And a really unique heist movie too, because you've got it's it's almost it's like the Robin Hood of of heist movies, right? Yes, that was a that, that was an aspect that I really uh, found. Uh, fascinating and important about the whole movie is that it's not just like some some selfish guys who just want to 
rob money and get rich, but it's actually people mm-hmm. who are doing it for a good cause. So, you know, I'm not saying that every movie should be like t- teaching us a lesson, but if it, if it can have a kind of a positive uh, twist to it, I, I really like it. And that, that to me made it really good that, you know, they, they are criminals. They are doing, you know, things that are not supported by the law necessarily, but, uh, but they are doing it for a really good reason. Yeah. It seems like, uh, you mentioned having fun. Did you guys have as much fun filming this as what comes across on the on the, the screen? Because Pierce Brosnan looks like he's having the time of his life. Nick Cannon is just let loose. Uh, mm-hmm. Hermione Corfield and Jamie Chung. Uh, what was the set like? Did you guys have kind of this, this elan and joy and stuff like that, uh, that, that you see on the screen? Definitely. And I, uh, mm. I wanted to, the whole, uh, idea that this place takes place in, in, in Middle East, Abu Dhabi, Dubai, that world, uh, I decided that I want to create a, a fantasy world that you wish existed somewhere where taxis are Lamborghinis and people, <laughs> people's pets are cheetahs and stuff like that. So it, 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 unfortunately, it doesn't exist. So all those who have now decided to go to Abu Dhabi or Dubai or somewhere there because they want to see this fantasy world, it is pretty, it is pretty glossy there. But it's it's nothing like the movie. But but I, I really wanted to make it, make it into something amazing. And um, uh, so everybody had that same spirit. So yes, I would say that the crew was having fun. The actors were having fun. Uh, and and with with comedic stuff, it's the the really fun thing is that you know the sky is the limit, and and you sort of spend your days trying to come up with with additional things for the scenes. You have a scene as as written, and then you can kind of play with things with the actors and say like, okay, what could we add to this? What could you do? Or how could you react? Or or what what else could you say that would be even funnier? And uh, and it also applies to camera. I I think that in any kind of storytelling, camera is a very important part of it, and and especially in comedy, because the way you use the camera, the way you move it, the angles you use, the lenses you use, will really mm-hmm. help the actors and the story to to add to the fun of it. So, yeah, we we had a lot of fun shooting. What was that casting like? I know that Pierce Brosnan's a producer on this, so he may have already been attached to this uh, before. No, but, um, no, Pierce was, he was attached. Not... Uh, I've, I've over the years, I've uh, spoken in several occasions uh, with with Pierce about working together, and uh, but oh, yeah. it never never materialized until this. And when I read this, I immediately felt like Pierce is the guy, and uh, mm-hmm. and I sent him the script, and he loved it, and and that's how we then decided to do it together. So as we know, every every movie needs that engine. Every movie uh, is, is like a train that doesn't go anywhere without the engine uh, pulling it. And it means you need somebody well-known to get the final mm-hmm. and all that together. So so Pierce was the engine for sure, but also he, he was the right guy for this. He was the perfect guy for the part. And then then for the other characters, I just wanted to have a really kind of an international, interesting mix of people that would make it feel uh, fresh and fun and not not expected. So 
Um, yeah. We we just really try to be inventive the way we put it together. Yeah, if you if you told me Pierce Brosnan in real life was an international thief, I would absolutely one hundred percent believe you. Absolutely, I think he actually is. <laughs> yeah. That's a side job. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's nice He's, to see him get into back into this <laughs> Thomas Crown affair. You know, almost like a like a playful Bondy type of thing. Seems like it's it's a return to form, and like I said, it, it looks like he's having a blast. No, he was he was having a blast, and he loves to play that kind of a rogue, uh, mm-hmm. and it fits him so well. He has a great sense of humor. He's a he's a very uh, besides being a talented actor, he's a very charming guy and a very sweet, warm guy. So it's just very natural for him to play that. And oh man, it was it was amazing to see just like. Anywhere we went, like women practically fell down when they saw him. Because oh, it's, it's, no, I think I, I would too. He has such yeah. an aura, <laughs> such an aura about himself. I, I, I don't know how you even like live being somebody like that because anywhere you go, people are just like staring at you like you're some kind of an <laughs> apparition. So, how do you have to have somebody like reminding you every day, like, hey, you're just human, you're just a normal guy, you're just a normal person? To, because because I, I think it takes some character to be uh, be so humble and normal when you are that kind of an idol. Uh, and another another person I would say that same kind of a thing about is Jackie Chan, who I made a movie with, and who in in China is regarded like literally like he's like God. So, mm-hmm. so and he's the most humble guy, and he's most sort of uh, helpful and and. Uh, and sweet guy to everybody around. It doesn't matter if you're the guy sweeping the floor or if you own the studio. He's nice to everybody and considerate to everybody. So that to me takes real character. And those actors who become stars who don't have that kind of character, then that kind of fame and stardom really brings the worst out of you because then you take it as a sort of like you have all the privileges in the world and uh, mm. and you don't have to care about anything or anybody. And uh, I've seen those people too. Yeah, yeah imagine <laughs> yeah. so. I mean, uh, you're you've uh, you've been making movies for what now? 35, 40 years. Yeah, I started like making movies when I was three years old. It's weird. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that weird? Yeah. That's so strange. Yeah, I was a um, child miracle. Yeah, yeah. Um, how would you say you've changed as a filmmaker over the years? Are you just the, basically the same guy uh, since you as you were in the eighties? Uh, I think I'm the same guy. I, of course, you you learn from everything you do, and you can you learn to avoid certain mistakes, and and um, uh, and you can you can anticipate certain things how they're gonna go and not go. Um, but I'm I'm the same guy that I feel like I'm the same guy that, that I was when I was a kid when I fell in love with mm-hmm. movies. My mom was an avid movie fanatic, uh, movie goer. And, and I was her date because my dad was a doctor and always busy working. So I went to the movies. I was like five years old with my mom all the time and just fell in love with movies and, and telling stories. And I was, I was, you know, drawing my own comic books and writing my own stories and drawing my own, own, own things and making little films with our family camera since I was a kid. So, mm-hmm. so it's just the, the framework has gotten bigger, but, but like, I'm still the same guy who loves blowing up shit and and uh, yeah and and we were just literally our our last night of shooting like a night a day ago 
was uh, we were doing in, in this new movie that I'm doing now. We were doing this Afghanistan war scene, and um, mm-hmm. and and so I have like 20 people running with machine guns and explosions going off and and helicopters and things and and uh, and I'm just like. Hey, now I'm really in my element. I realize what do I love to do? I love blowing up shit and shooting guns, and and it's basically I'm the same guy that I was when I was eight years old and doing that, you know, with with my friends. And now I'm just doing it in a different framework. Uh, and I loved doing that when I did my first movie, and I love it just as much now that I did my thirtieth movie. What's wow. the uh... What's the what's the most thrilling thing about blowing shit up? Is it the actual filming of it, or is it getting into the editing room and seeing it all come together and making the sound real loud and you know and all that? What, where where's the where does the uh, where do you get your most enjoyment out of it? I get most enjoyment about uh, from from being on the set and being uh, also in like really hard conditions, whether it's snow or heat or sand or wind. <laughs> or being like uh, uh, being in 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 the environment, and you know, not necessarily on a sound stage, but like outdoors in a really rough situation where you have to like mm-hmm. battle to to get it done, and and uh, and of course, it's then you also when you're editing and you see it come together, and with the sound and the music and everything, but but like uh, like uh, when we're shooting this Afghanistan scene just the other night. Uh, everything is there and it's this huge scene and it's lit beautifully and the wind is blowing and the, the, these red, red uh, torches are going off and the whole... It, it really actually reminded me of like one of my favorite movies, Apocalypse Now, how it looked and yeah. felt. And so I blasted. I always play music for the crew and, and for the cast to, to inspire them and to get them to the right mood. So I was playing the the ride of the Valkyries from uh, nice. blasting <laughs> nice. that music. We are, we are in this giant quarry. I'm blasting the music in the middle of the night. And I'm just looking at this scene in front of me. And I'm saying like, who gets to do this stuff? Who gets to have this much fun? The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Um, what's uh, what, what's different now about making movies than it was back in the day? Um, what, what do you, what challenges do you have to deal with that you didn't have to back then, or is it easier? Uh, what's uh, I, I kind of I, I asked this question. We had George Gallo on here at one point asking him about this, but uh, we don't get a chance to talk to somebody who's had the had a career that spanned for 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 this long. So I was just always interested to know what it's like making movies today as compared to the past. It's a it's a complex question because in a in a in a certain way it's gotten easier because of the whole digital revolution, which makes basically anything possible now but you know if somebody can write it then you know we can make it happen and in a certain way to me it's a it's a loss because <clears throat> there's something 
about the movies of the nineties or, 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 you know, that era when, when we, when I, when I started, when things were done for real and it, it had to be done either with actors <clears throat> or with, uh, with, with stunt guys. Uh, but now, you know, all the big movies, action movies or comic book movies, they are, they are like huge sequences are completely animated. Uh, I think the audience, Sees it, but sometimes the audience doesn't realize it that they are watching an animated movie. Even you know, a car chase might be completely digitally created, and uh, and then digi doubles for people. You know, they yeah. instead of stunt guys or actors, you know, people are flying around and and slamming into things, and and it's it's all digital. Or now, any any big movie, they immediately first thing they do when they start, they scan the actors. And then they have a perfect mm. scan of the actors. And then whenever they want, they can they can just use a digital version of the actor. Wow. Maybe not in a facial mm. close-up, but anything else can be digital. So, to, it, of course, it's an advantage to a certain point in a certain way. But to me, in, a, in another way, it's a loss. And um, and and yeah. uh, and I think the audience also senses it. And I I get quite often I get comments from people saying like either. That they miss those those movies that we used to make in the '90s. They miss the you know feeling and seeing the real thing, uh, and, mm-hmm. and that people would like to see that more. But uh, but I don't know you know the, whether whether the studios will will ever ever go back or there's any reason to go back. I, I don't know. But uh, but I I uh, I do see that big change, and I I like when it comes to the Misfits, for example. They, there's almost zero digital shots in the in the movie, so it is a it is a throwback in itself to to that style of filmmaking. The cheetah is real. <laughs> yes, it is. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I do have Ureni, I have a burning question for you. Okay. Because uh, I, I, I like I said, we've we've all adored your movies over the years, but when I think about your movies, I think about Die Hard Two, Cliffhanger, Long Kiss Goodnight. Uh, things like that. There's always, and especially Deep Blue Sea. There's always yeah. one. There's like a splash page in a in a comic book. There's one scene that immediately mm-hmm. comes to mind uh, for for each of these films. Same thing with uh, even Skip Trace, the Rolling in the Deep uh, scene, and the uh, <laughs> and the um, and the Misfits, of course, the vomit scene. Do you go into your projects kind of thinking like this is going to be my splash page? Uh, or, or is it more of like working up to it and being like, oh yeah, this is kind of like the centerpiece of, of the film. Really good question. And, uh, I would say I do go into, into a movie thinking like, what is the kind of key image that this movie will be remembered for? And, uh, and, and, and I call it a trailer moment. What is the, Mm -hmm. and of course there are hopefully in every movie, there are lots of trailer moments, but I do think of, of, of that. And then, of course, partially it, it just develops or organically when you're making the movie, you realize what, what just turns out to be really epic. I, I always try to do something really big, you know, big shots. Mm. Me, a good movie has to have those big moments, big shots. Uh, and also, actually, you know, um, one thing that... that sometimes bothers me of, of today's movies, even action movies is like a lot of stuff is shot very tight and cut, mm-hmm. cut so fast 
that in, in, a, in a even in yep. a fight you don't really see what's happening you you are you're nope. not clear about the geography and and even the like almost like your the sound is telling you what's what's happening more than what you're seeing so it's a, mm. it's a funny thing i don't know why but uh, but yeah um i do i do try to think of of those things beforehand and and i i do have in mind what's what's going to be the big big thing uh and then sometimes i surprise myself sometimes what i thought was going to be the big thing it's not necessarily such a big thing but then something else pops up <laughs> that's interesting <laughs> but like like um like in cliffhanger for example the opening scene with the girl falling that was very mm-hmm. intense you know yeah. i didn't want to hire Sylvester Stallone to play the part i wanted somebody like Harrison Ford i wanted the movie to feel very real and to me mm-hmm. uh, Stallone was so so much bigger than life because of Rambo that it it just wasn't to me didn't feel like the right right thing so i created that scene just because the studio wanted me to cast him i said well then i have to like strip him out of his superpowers right in the opening scene so that that scene yeah. was completely oh, wow. created by me to to uh, <laughs> uh to make him to humanize him. wow uh, oh that's great because so awesome. that scene is that movie it i mean is. that's yeah. that's a big reason why that movie works oh that's amazing and, and in the mm-hmm. same way um in deep blue sea uh there was no sam jackson's character didn't exist in the script at all and, uh, <laughs> really? and but I had done the longest good night, and we had kind of sworn friendship, and that we'll always work together. So I was afraid <laughs> of telling him that I'm doing this big movie with Warner's, but there's no part for you. So I I racked my brain, and I came up with the idea that okay, the movie seems like it's starring Sam Jackson, and then he's just killed right in the middle of the movie, and uh, <laughs> and I kind of stole that idea from the first Alien where Tom Skerritt oh, was yeah. the captain of the yeah. ship. And and there's like nobody famous in the movie and nobody kind of knew who Sigourney Weaver was. And last thing you would think is that she's going to be the lead. And just when you thought like, well, at least there's Tom Skerritt and he's going to save them, then he gets killed. So I stole that idea from there and we added Sam's character into the script. And yes, all the time in that movie, I knew that's going to be the moment in the movie. And uh, when- It when, sure is. And, yeah. <laughs> And it was really like like scientific how we designed his speech so that it's long enough that you start thinking like, oh, this is one of these hero speeches come up. Mm-hmm. And but but short enough that you don't you know go and get more popcorn or something. So it had to be it was like telling a joke. It just had to be exactly the right length for it, yeah. to, it to work oh, and deliver. That scene is one of the most surprising moments I've ever had watching a movie. Um, most of the time, whenever there is somebody about to die, I don't know what the deal is, but directors always seem to frame it in such a way where you're just like, okay, I know something's going to happen yeah. to this person. Yeah. In this one that I never got that sense. Uh, I, it may just be because it's Samuel L. Jackson on screen and you're like, there's no way this guy's going to just automatically die in this movie and everything. But but you are absolutely right. This is that is that is how you tell a joke with an incredible punchline mm-hmm. yeah. because he's just in the middle of a line when he get and it just it you're just not expecting it whatsoever. It's one of the best. 
it's one of my favorite scenes in a movie ever just because right. of the way that sh- that was done and everything i've always pictured the shark was waiting too, like he was actually listening to the speech yeah. and then at some point it's like okay this is enough yeah. absolutely. i'm done absolutely and and you know we had a huge debate with warner brothers whether whether we should put that moment or whether they should put that moment in the trailer or not and there were those who said like it's such a great moment you got to have it in the trailer and to this day i don't know what was the right decision because it, it's not in the trailer and would mm-hmm. the movie had made another hundred million if it was in the trailer maybe uh or would people mm-hmm. have been totally disappointed because they already saw that coming so then there's no surprise I don't know what the right answer is, and we will never know. That's fascinating. <laughs> it's it's just all the little decisions that go into making a film that you never know about, you know? I mean, you just you watch a film, you're like, all right, that's the decision that the director took or the yeah. direction. Uh, but but you have to make every little tiny decision, and sometimes it turns into a big one, like casting Sam Jackson and, and creating that whole character and therefore creating the iconic moment of that film. And Yeah, and you actually – you you hit the nail on, on the head right by w- what you said, because, you know, sometimes people can think that uh, directors are egomaniacs and like, okay, everything has to be just so the way you want it. It's like, I said yellow flowers and you brought white flowers. I can't choose. <laughs> but it's, it is director's job is to like, the movie is made out of thousands and thousands of decisions and as a director, you either care about every decision or you care about nothing. You can't categorize like here are important things and here are not so important things. Of course, you have to be a little bit flexible and you have to be reasonable. If you're, you know, standing in the middle of the desert and all you have is yellow flowers and you wanted white flowers, you you got to make it work. But 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 it is directing. It's a it's a funny thing. Like such little little things that you know a normal person would be like. Who cares if he's wearing slippers or, or, or flip-flops? Or who cares if he has a watch that has a black band instead of a brown band? Or who cares if you know mm-hmm. he, he does it to the left or instead of right? But you have to care. As a director, that's your job. And you have to care. And everything has to be. And it is kind of crazy. You know, if I think, like I look at my phone now where everything is like done on WhatsApp and like, the wardrobe people, for example, there's like there's like some extra in some scene in a wedding who is like standing in the background eating pizza. And the, the, the wardrobe people send me photo after photo after photo of different outfits for this person. I'm just like, ah, no, I think the shirt should be different. And no, I don't like those pants. And like we <laughs> like I look at now my phone and there's just like these chains of these conversations with different departments about different things. Uh, and uh <laughs> and you either care or you don't. And, and then if if you don't care about thousands of things, then when it all comes together, it's not going to be good. Or at least it's not going to be what you wanted it to be. And so you have to be particular, even when it sometimes seems, for a normal person, it seems ridiculous. <laughs> like if you need a lot of vomit, you got to get a lot of vomit. Yes. Yeah, man. And it has to be certain um... kind of consistency and certain color. <laughs> Um, well, it looks like we're going to have to cut this off. Unfortunately, this is right at the 30 minute mark. And, um, but uh, I could talk to you forever, man. You probably have a million other stories. um, I do have lots of stories. I have lots of stories. (laughs) Uh, Hey, hey, Rennie, can I tell you one quick thing though, before we go? Um, 
I just, I wanted to share this with you. My, I've been podcasting for about four years and I've always done the, when I get introduced, I do the double hello, the hello, hello. That actually stemmed from uh, Robert England's performance in Ford Fairlane. Oh, that's uh, funny. That's funny. <laughs> I didn't I've, always, I've always wanted to tell that to you and Robert. I've not, I haven't met Robert yet. But, awesome. Uh, awesome. That's so Great cool. to hear. Great to hear. Um, well, we'll have to do before, this again uh, when, when the next film comes. Definitely, out. definitely. I really enjoyed talking to you. And, you know, it's just, you know, I can just hear from you guys that you love movies and you seem to also know my movies uh, embarrassingly well. So <laughs> I, I feel totally self-conscious, but I I would be lying if I, you know, I'm smiling here ear to ear and, and it feels good when people give a shit. That's right. <laughs> just before we sign off, what's the name of your movie you just got done shooting? Refuge. It's a Refuge. Okay. Refuge and, and it's, a, it's a thriller. It's a, it's a really good script. Uh, it's a thriller about a, uh, a young American soldier who goes to fight in Afghanistan and gets, uh, everybody thinks he got PTSD, but he's actually possessed by a demon who lived in those <laughs> ancient lands. Oh, awesome. Wow. And then, then horrible things start <laughs> happening. Oh. All right. Well, I'm going to be on the lookout for that one as yeah, well. We'll, um, we'll talk about that probably later on this year. That'll so. be great. Um, the movie's The Misfits. It comes out in theaters June 11th, on demand and digital June 15th. We'd like to thank uh, Rennie Harlan for giving us his time. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you, guys. It was such a pleasure. I, I wish you all the love and happiness and luck in the world. Oh, my God. <laughs> just clear thank your you. schedule. Can we just talk to you for the rest of the day? Yeah. And we can, like, I would love you to. Know. Let's have beers together. Uh, <laughs> that's going to do it for this interview it's Chris Atkins and Jonathan Watkins and Barrett Share. we'll see you next time thanks for listening comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page check us out on YouTube Twitter, Facebook and Reddit and be sure to visit cinemasins.com